I guess most everyone here, I think, knows more or less what CLM is. We have two children's homes, one in uh, Entry Hios, another in Turvo. Um, Amanda and I, I've worked there a total of seven years. Amanda has worked there with me, alongside with me, for three of those years. Um, it's been a real blessing to have her. And um, in October, as I'd mentioned, we moved to, to CLM Turvo to help reopen um, the work we've been doing there. Uh, and Amanda's going to get up and talk to us a little bit about and explain who works at CLM Turbo, and then I'll take over and uh, talk a little bit about the, the future plans. Right now, I think most everyone knows how, what CLM um, has done in the past and, and up to the present. So there's a lot of information to talk about, to communicate about some of the CLM's future as far as Turbo is concerned. So there's, as I mentioned, some legal changes and some big opportunities for us. So here you go, Amanda. Um, when we moved to Turbo in October, it was originally Jake and myself as well as Mike and Mary Cochran, who are originally from Canton, Ohio, but have been working at, had been working at CLM and Trujillos for four or five years already. So it was originally the four of us, and then we also um, got the interest of another couple that had been living in Turbo that was helping with the church plant, the son of the pastor there. So, so basically the team is um, three couples as well as one single. So... Um, kind of our responsibilities. Mike works, functions as our, our on-site director. Kevin is still the director over us, but we kind of look to Mike as far as you know the day-to-day -day stuff, and then we kind of all brainstorm pretty much together for, for a lot of things, too. Um, Mary is a teacher, so she oversees a lot of the after-school stuff, the, um, the reinforcement program that Jake had talked about in the video. Um, Jake works full-time with the kids when they come home from school to when they go to bed, he's with them. We decided to get more into having designated areas, and I'll talk a little bit about that when we talk about the day. But he's basically, if you know where the kids are, I can find him now, so it makes it nice. Um, my responsibilities, I don't have necessarily like a work hours that I need to put in, but I have specific responsibilities, which makes it really nice with Noah now that, you know, if, if he gets sick, okay, I'll, you know, I'll get to that tomorrow or the next day and, you know, everything will still be all right. Um, one of my specific responsibilities is to do the food buying for, for the orphanage. So once a month I'll go into the city and haul back pounds and pounds and kilos and kilos of rice, beans, and, and everything else. Um, I'm also in charge of the medical care, so I oversee, you know, who needs to go to the doctor, lining up the appointments, taking them in, who needs to go to the dentist, when do they need their vaccines, that kind of stuff, which has been a, a real trial of my patients working with the social government, social health care system there, but that's a long, a long story too. Um, and the other thing I do as an occupational therapist, I'm working with the kids that that have a lot of needs. When we originally moved there, we took five kids from Entrejios that had a lot more needs that were behind developmentally. So I try to also fit that in. And Audrey and Alini are the Brazilian couple that work with us. They also work mainly just in, in the childcare area. They work um, specifically with the kids in the afternoon program and then through dinner um, as well. And we really look to them for, you know, working on Portuguese grammar, reading, you know, they're way better equipped to do that than we are. And we like the kids to just, you know, be really focusing on, on those areas too. And then Kristen Kuiper is with us. She um, 
made a one-year commitment, so she will be with us until December, and she sleeps on the girls' floor and kind of checks in on the boys a lot of the time, too. So we really appreciate her, and she's done a lot with teaching the kids English during the after-school program, and um, she's just been a tremendous blessing to us, too. We have, right now, today, as far as I know, we have eight kids, but like Jake had said, it's been it's kind of been up and down changing. We had started with five, gotten one, then for a week we had you know five brothers just for, for a week, and then a kid came for a day and then left the next day, and so it's been kind of you know, a gradual change every couple of days going, okay, how many kids do we have? You know, but all that to say we're really trying to keep our numbers low that we can really focus on the quality of their care, especially some of the kids we had started with just need a lot of a lot of extra reinforcement. So we really want to focus on helping them develop and develop quickly and to be able to be ready to be into a family if they can be fostered or adopted or or even go back with their family, that we can really just give them an intense time right now of, of a boost. So kind of our average day, and I'll just go through this quickly, um, is that the kids are in school in Brazil. They go half day, so it's 7.30 to noon they're in school, and which works out really nice because we'll, right now we're only taking kids that are in school, which just means that they're three or up. So we're pretty much free in the mornings, and then we're all on, you know, afternoon, afternoon, evening-ish. So the kids come home at noon. We do lunch. We do cleanup. We've been working with, because we have a smaller group, we just kind of decided, you know, everybody helps clean up. Every meal, every time there's something we clean, okay, everybody get together. And, and so they've really, it's been really great to see, you know, there's not this, like, oh, I have to do a chore now. It's just like, nope, that's, that's part of the day. You ate it. You clean it up, you know. All of that. Um, after that, we've started doing a reinforcement study time. The kids have very little homework. The schools are a little below average, I would say, by most people's expectations. So we're really trying to work with them in the areas of handwriting, reading, math. Um, they're doing some computer time that Jake's doing with them. And then I try to fit in OT you know, a couple of the days when I can, too. So we really try to, you know, work with them during nap time. Then pretty much the afternoon until dinner, they're free. We've been working with the kids in designated areas since we started new. It was kind of like we could make, you know, new rules, new plan, and it was new to everybody, so it, it was a pretty easy adjustment. And the kids actually really like now that they know, they know where they're supposed to be, they know where everybody else is, nobody's in their room stealing their candy or, you know, and they just, they like being with an adult now. It's like, oh, you know, let's play a game. Let's do this. They become much more creative and learned really to play a lot more than just, you know, a lot of times they just kind of wander around. It's like, no, let's sit down. Let's do something. Let's, you know, play a game. Let's, you know. But it's been really good to just model with them and um, just give them a, a better sense of security as well. We've noticed that they all just seem emotionally much more secure now than, than having that. Um, then we do dinner, and the same thing, you know, everybody does chores. And then after that is normally just some sort of activity, normally some quieter, which I don't tone down our day as, you know, after dinner, you know, do baths and then um, do some sit down activities. Then they head downstairs. Jake's been reading Chronicles of Narnia to them right now, but a Bible story or we put on some music, and it's just kind of, it's a good closing of the day. 
and it really has helped them just to kind of regulate their behavior as far as, you know, their, their high running around times, and then there's, okay, the time that we calm down and, you know, we get ready and, and bed and sleep is a good thing. So that's kind of an overview of, of our day, what, you know, what typically happens. There's always those days that you don't expect, but I think that's all I want to really talk about right now, and I'll pass it on to you. This is one of my favorite times of the day. Um, I love reading to the kids, and uh, I've set up a, kind of a, a speaker system inside the home so that um, I can read and they can hear in both the boys' hallway and the girls' hallway. Um, and I also, it's hooked up to a computer. In front of me is the computer screen where I can see the, um, the security camera. So I can watch the boys' hallway as I read to them. And we had a, um, a boy come and stay with us just for the night, but he was... Um, I tried to get him to go with the group and be in where the, the supervised children were, but he, he was very resistant to it. And so when it, became, when it was bedtime, I said, okay, you've got to stay in your room now. Um, so he, I got him to his room, but he, he would pop his head out, and he was, he was very disrespectful. Uh, so then when I went to read, I could watch on the monitor. So <clears throat> I, was reading to, I was reading to the kids, and I saw him pop his head. I'm like, I said, uh, oh, it was... Giovanni, back to your room. And he like, look, where did it come from? And ran back to his room. So it's kind of fun. Um, we've joked because it is, is hooked up to, to a computer and it could possibly be fed over the Internet. We thought maybe we could outsource the child care to India. Um, so we do have a, we do have a, lot, of, <clears throat> sorry, we do have a lot of fun um, during the day with the kids. Uh, as far as the future, there are... Um, where do I start? Um, there are three areas of need that we've noticed now that we've started working in Turbo. Uh, three large areas of need um, to help the kids in, in the, the problems that they have. Their problems are more than just the behavioral problems, like Giovanni leaving the room at night. Um, I guess his needs are, are greater than just needing someone to, to watch him. Um, uh, the kids, how do I put it? Um, well, let me put that aside for a second. Brazil, in 2009, they passed a new law which legalized foster care. Uh, foster care is a better quality than institutional care. Um, just to throw out an example, if Amanda and I died, we would place Noah in a Christian home. We w- there are Christian institutions that do care for children. Um, however, that wouldn't be our first choice, and it, it really doesn't even, even on our radar. The, if, since there is a possibility of uh, care in a Christian home, that's our first choice. And we would like to provide, and now that it's legal, prior to 2009, it was illegal. Now that it's legal, and not only legal, they're obligating orphanages to place children in foster homes. Now that it's legal, we, we have not just a, a legal obligation, but a moral obligation to provide for these kids the same, same kinds of um, things that we would provide for our own. Um, in Brazil, um, laws our 10-year goals. So I say they passed this law in 2009, and part of the law says that one of the top priorities of an orphanage should be placing children in foster homes basically as soon as possible. Um, There is one foster care system in one county in the entire country of Brazil. So as you can see, in 10 years, or I guess seven years from now, they may have uh, foster care up and running, and they may have moved away from institutional orphanage care. But that's still just a possibility. 
but it does give um, <clears throat> CLM a pretty uh, good opportunity. We've been approached and talked to by the judge who decides where children are placed. The same judge that places kids at CLM removes the parents' rights, replaces the kids back with the parents. That judge has approached us to see if we would be interested in coming up with some sort of foster care training program. Um, and I guess I wanted to share with you some of the possibilities. And I need to emphasize that these are possibilities. We've, as I said, we've seen three areas of need, and I'll get to those in a second. One of them is foster care, and there's two other areas. But we're not exactly sure how we're going to fit in. We're currently talking with the judge right now to see what, um, what they would allow us to do. Um, but I need to emphasize, these are possibilities. It could be I come back next year, and I'll give another presentation, not about foster care, but about how we're continuing on at CLM Turbo the same way uh, we have been for the last six or seven months. So as I need to really emphasize these are possibilities. We're very excited about the possibilities, and we're very confident. And in, in, I feel that it's a very urgent need um, to place these kids in families. Uh, so, and we're very excited just about that being, becoming a possibility. Um, so we've offered to create this foster care uh, training program as well as an ongoing foster care assistance program. So uh, we would do some initial training for, the, for foster parents, but then we would also then um, provide ongoing uh, counseling, basically. We might meet with them possibly on a biweekly basis to find out how things are going, uh, um, to give them advice on how to deal with some of the issues, that, the behavioral issues they might find in the kids. And also give us a chance to be inside their homes to hold them accountable, to, to see is everything going okay. Um, uh, but along with this um, uh, training program, we'd also try and offer um, material assistance. The government actually is going to, would, will provide eventually uh, financial uh, compensation. They'll pay one, from what I've been told, they'll pay one minimum wage, one Brazilian minimum wage per child. And a family can accept um, children from one sibling group. Uh, so you, if you have two kids that are, they're not related, they would have to be fostered by two separate foster parents. It is a check and a balance that helps keep um, each foster family's population low. Um, and I think it's, it's a good, good idea. Uh, and that, so if, if there are two kids, they would be able to get two minimum wages. And for example, our cook, uh, we hope she wouldn't get this idea, but our farmer and cook each make one minimum wage to work at CLM. Um, she, if she would decided that she wanted to foster two kids, she would be able to stay at home with her kids. She, they have four, four kids. Um, she would be able to stay at home with her kids, foster these two others, and double her income. So it's a very good opportunity. And it's important that CLM um, be in the forefront of this and get out ahead the government will find foster parents. And with this incentive, they will most likely find quite a few, I, I think, I'm hoping. But the government will find them. We prefer that we would be able to reach out to the, the Christians in the community, present them um, with foster care uh, <clears throat> from the point of view that foster care is a way to minister uh, to orphans. Um, and seek out... Um, oh, uh, to, and seek out uh, the same kind of people that maybe not necessarily we would specifically give Noah to, but that same kind of people that we would entrust our kids with and place these children with uh, those kinds of um, foster parents. Uh, let me 
Okay, and then, and this is where it becomes a very large change for CLM. What we would do, because setting up a program like this, we will set it up, there's two counties that CLM works with. There's a lot of background um, to pass on. There's two counties. One county is the county of Turbo, where we're at now. There's also a city called Turbo, which makes it a bit confusing. The other county is the county of Guadapuava. There's also a city called Guadapuava. The county of Turbo has, I believe, 15,000, um, the population is 15,000 people. In Guadapuava, I, think, I believe it's above 150, so it's 10 times the size. So we hope to create this foster care assistance program um, and foster care training program first in Turbo, and then possibly in the future, take the same program and hopefully implement it in uh, Guadapuava so it would reach more children. But first, we need to get, um, get things worked out, get the program set up in Turbo, and uh, we'll be able to experiment with different things in, in a smaller um, population that uh, would be difficult to do if we jumped out and started it in a, in a large area like Guadapuava. They have, and Guadapuava has a much higher population of at-risk kids compared to Turbo. Um, so it's much easier if we start it in, in Turbo. So the idea would be is to take the kids, like as I said, this is where the big changes happen for CLM, and place them with the goal of placing them by December, all of the kids in the home, uh, into foster homes. Um, we currently have, as Amanda said, eight children. There's a good possibility that by the time December rolls around, we could easily have six. And those six are each, they're from sibling groups of two. So it would only be three foster homes because it's three sibling groups that we'd be placing. Um, uh, so, but once we have these kids outside of CLM, and one of the biggest, um, I guess once these kids are outside of CLM, it'll free us, free our time up quite a bit to be able to focus in on creating uh, the training program and uh, just experimenting with different ways to um, provide assistance uh, to these parents. Um, And we also, as it shows up here, we'll also then try and see where we would fit in and focusing on these two areas, the child advocacy and the counseling of the biological parents. Uh, CLM, as we found out recently, has actually tremendous responsibilities um, that we didn't necessarily realize that we had. And um, there is definitely a need um, uh, for child advocacy and um, counseling of the biological parents. If we developed a foster care training program to, to, help the, to help foster parents work with troubled kids, it would, we would be able to adjust it just a little bit, and it would be useful then in also counseling the parents. Um, it would correct, hopefully, uh, a lot of the same errors that caused um, them to abuse their kids. We would teach them a new way of parenting. And it could also be changed to help, it's not up here, but also help to uh, train adoptive parents. A lot of times, I guess recently we've been seeing a lot of um, uh, older married couples who've never had children uh, adopting children. So it's a, not only is it a new experience and then now they have a child, but in many cases they've adopted a child where there's some, some, um, some problems that need to be worked out. So they, uh, they've, many times they end up with certain expectations that aren't, uh, aren't met. And we've seen, it, especially uh, with those kinds of parents, the kid the kids being returned. Um, so, it, but if they can, if we can train them, similar to a lot of the training that we would give the foster parents, hopefully we'll be able to avoid a lot of that. Right now, like, there isn't one page of foster care training that we've seen in Brazil. So, <laughs> we're, 
we'll, we're starting from scratch. Um, <clears throat> uh, so let me just kind of give a quick sum up and then um, move on to another portion. The goal then is to move the kids off uh, by de- the end of December and then work on a foster care training program and then focus in on child advocacy and counseling the parents. Okay, this is where the need is. Um, There's red tape. The foster care money, the money that goes to pay for the foster care of the kids comes from the state. But first, a grant has to be written. Once that grant's written, um, then we can receive not only the one salary per child, um, not CLM, but the local government will receive the money for the, the for the children's foster care, but also a team of a psychologist, a social worker, and uh, an educational, a pedagogue, which is an English word, but I don't know if anybody, I don't know, it's a very strange English word. A special ed teacher. Yeah, special ed teacher. Um, so the, the, the government, local state government, will receive also those three professionals. So they, what they do in Brazil is they pass laws, and then they offer grants as in incentives to um, conform to the new laws. And that's how they transition in their 10-year um, transition into obeying the law. Um, so the problem is, is grants, if you write a grant today, it will pay for the 2014 foster care. The, uh, in, in Brazil, a lot of times, if, if you don't get the ball rolling, um, the people in the local government, they may not get around to it. CLM has offered its, uh, we have a, a lady that can write grants for us. She has written grants very similar to this one. And um, we've offered her assistance to the, the, the city government in Turbo in writing the grant. Um, and we would like to, um, uh, let me see. I guess I said similar to the ball rolling. We would like to see, we would like to fund um, a foster care in 2013 that would allow us to get the kids into foster homes, allow us more flexibility and more time to, uh, to set up a program, to work with the program, change the program, um, and prepare for what we would hope to do is move the program to Guadalajara uh, to reach more kids. Um, but to do that, CLM would have to pay for the foster care for the first year. And we have told them that we would consider doing that, but only... Um, we would only ever start if they'd already written the grant. We, we're not going to get it started and then wait for them because it, it may not then happen. Um, and then the, the condition would be is they would have written the grant, we would start, and in 2014, we would turn it over to them. Now, we've calculated it out, and it may be $20,000 to fund the entire year, though most likely less. There, it could actually be considerably less. There's quite a few different possibilities. One, this um, calculates for there being extra kids, because kids are added and removed from the system all the time. There could be in the, um, that no new kids would get added, or kids would be added to the foster care program, and at the, around the same time, kids would be removed from it. Um, it also, this figure also allows, uh, does not calculate in any assistance the local government may give us. They have been very generous with CLM in the past. Um, so they may actually, they may, um, uh, they'd actually had their own foster care program, uh, more like a clandestine or like, um, not, I don't know, I don't want to say black market. If they had um, 
some, it was an illegal foster care program, but I mean, they were, the, the foster parents, one of them was a pastor of a church. They were very good people to have as foster parents, but they were doing it illegally. Um, and there was, there, yeah. This government, local government has a vision for foster care and see the need for it, and there are a lot of Christians who we think are going to be willing to do it. So to be able to do it legally, obviously, is the better better choice. And what the local government was paying those foster, they were paying those foster parents out of their own pocket, the local pocket. They didn't have the grant from the state. So it came out of the local city government. Um, they may want to partner with us. Say, oh, so you want to put up some money? We can put up some. So then this, if they put up half, this number would go from 20 to 10. Um, but at this point, that's uh, our biggest need. And also, obviously, with getting the kids out of the house, our bills will go down. We don't know. There's a lot of unknowns. Um, but it's, it's, it's very likely that because uh, ceiling will be much uh, cheaper to run, um, that uh, we'll be... I guess we'll be able to take out of our budget to um, help pay for the foster parents just for that first year. And then um, a little bit of what we would be doing for foster care assistance. Again, these are only possibilities. We don't know um, exactly how it will play out. One of the ideas is to continue our um, noon to 3 o'clock um, uh, schedule. Which So basically the foster kids would come home or would come to Salem on the bus. Um, and then we would do lunch with them, we would do study time with them, and then at 3.30, 4 o'clock, we would drive them home uh, to their foster parents. That would provide some respite care for the foster parents. Um, it would give us a little window into how they're doing to be able to better counsel the parents. Um, uh, and also, we might find out something from them that may basically to hold the parents, <clears throat> the foster parents responsible or accountable. Um, so that's one of the options, or maybe on Saturdays. Or in Brazil, there's only half-day school, so maybe we would do a study time in the morning with the kids who study in the afternoon, and then in the afternoon we do study time with the kids that study in the morning. We don't really know. There's a lot of possibilities and a lot of ways that we can assist these foster uh, care parents, but besides just um, the training and then ongoing counseling. But those are some of the options. Um, so that's how we would be uh, using the facility um, for now. Um, with the uh, the foster care assistance program, um, I believe that was Jessica on the previous screen who I had talked about, and then on this one you see Gabrielle and William, uh, two of our boys in Turvo. I believe that is it. I I'll open up for questions now. If you have questions for either of us or just about Salem in in general. Um, feel free to ask. I was going to say at the beginning, just to raise your hand if I forgot. So, yes. Um, very good question. I was going to kind of conclude with that, but I'll just throw it in now. Um, I'm doing. Victoria has passed on to me the short-termer program, so I'm doing the coordination for anyone interested in coming down, whether it's for one week, one month for up to six months basically with the, the tourist visa, um, whether it's a one person, a couple of people, or, or a work team. Um, and if you're interested in anything like that, I know a lot of you looking at you know, your faces, most of you have already been there, so you, you know you know, kind of what to expect. But if someone would be interested and you, you know, hear them talking about it, 
um, they can get in contact with me and I can you know, give them some of the information and how to get started. And really, there's a lot of possibilities. You know, initially we thought, oh, so we won't need short-termers anymore. But the more we're talking through what it looks like potentially that we'll be doing every day, the more it looks like, you know, we could really, uh, really utilize volunteers. And people, and even especially, I mean, people that have some skills, even if it's, you know, hey, this foster family, you know, their plumbing just something happened, you know, we can ha offer, hey, you know, somebody can come out and, you know, help you. Or you really want to take in these two kids, but you don't have, you know, the right amount, you don't have a bed for the second one, you know, somebody might be able to help out with that. Or even, um, we've really appreciated the the girls that have come down. We've had a couple of short-termers over the last couple of months who have done English as a part of our rotation. And it's been really good to see, I mean, they just have great ideas. They are not trained necessarily in that area, but they're like, hey, let's go down to the barn. Let's talk about, you know, this is a sheep, this is a, you know, a horse, whatever. And they just, you know, they go and the kids love it. And the kids are, you know, talking more in English now. And we're like, ooh, maybe we need to be careful what we're saying in English now because they're really learning a lot. And so if we can, you know, especially because basically to get anywhere in, in Brazil, you need to have English skills or computer skills. If you want to get ahead of anybody else to get a job or to get into college, those are really the two big, big ones. And especially because these kids are already at a disadvantage, we thought, hey, if we can keep giving them, you know, opportunities to learn English or opportunities to, you know, learn how to use a computer, you know, that can only help them. So those are, you know, a couple of ideas, but it could be, you know, coming down to run a VBS or so a lot of it will still be the same. And in Entry Heels, we didn't really talk much about um, what they'll be moving towards, but probably they'll be housing. It's looking more like Kevin's thinking that they'll be the foster care for the kids that aren't able to be placed, whether it's because they're four or five siblings and typically a home, you know, wouldn't be set up for that necessarily or if it's, you know, someone that just isn't a good placement for foster care. So they will still have, you know, they'll still have the same needs for short-termers as well. So we definitely are still always accepting short-termers. We really appreciate it. And even, I mean, just being, we had a group came down in November, and just we were super encouraged by them just, you know, sitting and talking with them, and also, you know, all the work that they put in in the two hours after they got there till you know, the minute before they left. So we really appreciate it all the same. But like I said, contact me or if you go on to CLM's website now, it's the, all the information's there too to, for my contact information. Other questions? Um, like teaching materials for your afternoon program, do you guys need that stuff? Is it cost prohibitive to send it down? Do you not want English stuff? Do you, I mean, those kinds of things. I don't think we would turn anything away. Up until now, we've kind of been just making it up as we go. But yeah, anything specific, especially, we right now especially have younger kids. So the basics of, you know, the basics, because a lot of them can't even read yet, you know, in Portuguese. So having a lot of the, you know, workbooks where they have to fill out, you know, full sentences stuff, you know, they're not there yet. But in a lot definitely. of times, yeah, definitely. A lot of times, uh, we do just need advice. We'll have a situation like we're not really sure how to help this specific child with this specific problem. So even just an email address, um, and we know how to get your email address. Is, but yeah, uh, 
if you don't mind us every once in a while sending you an email with a couple of questions, it's, it's very um, quite probable that we will have some. We do have some teachers on staff, but still we have, yeah, any help, we need any help we can get. And especially with the foster care aspect, we've dealt with um, working with kids at CLM, but moving to, towards foster care is very, it's going to be very different. Uh, some of the behavioral and, and disciplinary aspects will be similar, but we've worked with boundaries inside of an orphanage. You know, the, the most, I'd, well, <clears throat> I guess there's just a lot of aspects and a lot of different areas that we're not sure of, of how things, um, what sort of advice we should give. And uh, so. Um, a question that I have, this is something I forgot to ask actually while I was, when I was down there. Is, did you guys know what the approximate operational costs are of Turbo in a year? In a year? Um, it's 10,000 hayes a month. Um, we do have a surplus, which we use a surplus towards, for example, I think we use it for Jessica's medical needs. So sometimes we do have a, a surplus, so then we do we put it towards. Yeah. Just for triple, it's ten thousand hayas a month. Um, so it'd be twelve, um, hundred twenty thousand hayas per year, sixty thousand dollars per year. Um, I'll just repeat it for the, but the, the, the question was, uh, what, um, what our income is to the farming aspects of, of CLM Turbo specifically? We're not exactly sure the, um, the mate harvest has not happened yet, and that will be our, our main crop that we wouldn't necessarily use for ourselves, so that one I, I couldn't answer you. Sorry. And CLM Entry Hills has more, definitely has more of the field, yes. so they... Whether you know that's a lot of times you know we pass things back and forth, so it's not necessarily separate by any means. But they have the majority of the the crops yeah. and stuff. Um, I calculated out once how many acres. I don't know if we have four or five acres, possibly, of mate trees. So I'm not sure how much that translates into the leaves and then the the, the end product. But it's about five acres of trees. No, we would um, just we take the leaves off and uh, we just haul it in on a truck, and then just down the road is a place that would dry them um, and uh, make the tea, and bag them and everything. So we we just um, basically grow the crop. The the trees are always there. Someone will just need to pull the leaves off. Um, and we can hire someone to do that. I think the farmer in the past has been, or maybe they brought in a crew. I don't really know very much about mate. As if you, if there's a, a very short season where you take the leaves off, or a long season, so that one person could do it gradually, I'm I'm not really sure. But they have done it the last several years. Yeah. And, and generally, it's you can find very, you know, very cheap labor. So it's a lot of times they just get a couple guys that's friends with the farmer, and you know they get paid a little bit to help, and then we just get the I the lump sum money at the end for. I believe it's around five thousand hayes, so twenty five hundred dollars for the harvest. I think. We don't have any very good uh, land for planting in. Um, it's just too hilly, and then there's the environmental restrictions. So. Did you have a question? Yeah. So if if uh, CLM Turbo moves more to, to fill these new needs that you're you're seeing, and uh, the student or the the child population kind of goes down, like how like would the physical 
building and campus be utilized? And mm -hmm. That's a very good question. The question was, is how will we be able to use the, um, the building that we have at Intervo uh, when we go and have fewer kids and eventually no kids living there? And one of them would be for the respite care. Um, uh, we can, if we do a morning study session, afternoon study session, we'll be able to use the building quite a bit uh, during those time periods. There's other uses. In the end, um, uh, well, one of these, it's, it's somewhat unforeseen as what could happen, but there is definitely a need in Brazil for a home for uh, troubled teens. Um, Right now, the most pressing need is to get these kids, and especially in Guadalajara, kids from institutions into foster homes. But in the future, um, that may be the most pressing need. So it could become uh, an older boys' home, or it could become an, an, a home for older girls. Um, I guess at this point, our first step is the foster care program, which will mean the building will be less used, um, and not used necessarily for the purpose it was built for a short, hopefully a short period of time, and then we'll be able to move possibly the respite care to their location, or continue it on um, and integrate it into uh, an older kid's home. We've also had a lot of churches and other Christian organizations interested in using it for retreats. Retreats are a pretty big thing there that several times a year, you know, they'll want to, you know, rent it out to be able to host, you know, 100 or 200 teens for a weekend or something like that, which we've, right now we've turned them down because we're like, hey, this is these kids' home. We don't want a lot of people we don't know coming in and you know disrupting their lives. They need as much consistency. But once we move to foster care, you know that would be a great source of extra income to help fund you know special programs for the assistance program. So that's definitely another possibility. As well as I mean, we have the soccer fields, we have a pool, we have you know a lot of things that we can do. So you know summer programs or weekend things or I mean, there's a lot of possibilities even though you know, there, there might not always be beds filled. But we're hoping to still, there's no plans to sell anything right now. That's a very good question. Um, initially, I think we'll have to be. I think uh, I, the question was if we will still be an emergency intake center, uh, or you could call it like an emergency foster home. It would be the, the, I guess the foster equivalent would be an emergency foster home. I'm not sure exactly how it works in America, but basically a child is placed, and with a very short notice, a foster family will take in a child um, for a specific period of time, maybe a couple weeks or maybe a month, and at that point, from then on, the child either needs to be removed, needs to, be removed to um, foster care, to a, a more permanent foster home, or needs to be moved to um, an institution. Um, to, to be able to... Emergency, I'm not exactly sure how it works in America, but I would assume an emergency foster parents would be um, parent, foster parents who have experience uh, with foster care, and also I would assume they wouldn't have necessarily any children of their own still living at home. Or if they did, they would be older children. Um, because when you take a child in off the, the street, many times you don't, you don't know, and that's why it's an emergency, you don't know necessarily what the risks are of placing that child in your home. Um, so it's like with us, with Noah, we're, um, we would, well, at this point, we wouldn't necessarily consider fostering just because um, we need to protect him, and that's the highest priority we have. And we wouldn't be able to do that, especially as an emergency foster home, because we don't know um, uh, how the child acts when they're confronted. They may act out violently. So for a while, until we have... Um, um, foster parents with experience, 
the CLM um, and possibly even still Turbo will still be used as emergency um, uh, uh, intake center. Um, and then we will hold the kids for a certain amount of time until we can place them in, in a foster home. And while they're with us, we'll most likely be evaluating them so we can pass on to prospective foster parents, okay, here's what we've noticed in the child. Do you think this would be a good placement? We just want you to understand up front what possibly some of the risks, risks are, or we can say, hey, we think this is a, a, you know, a pretty good kid and we think it would be a great placement. So, um, yeah, hopefully in the future there would be um, emergency foster uh, families. But, yeah, it would only be, I think, in a mature foster system. So, Any other question. questions? I don't know if you know Roger's Patty Level. Yes. They're here at camp. They have two or three children, foster children here. They can maybe help you understand yeah. the system here. Yeah. I don't know much about it. Okay, yeah, we will uh, make a note of that and try and talk to them. Thanks. Yes. Um, good question. Who's watching the, the boys now that are not there? Uh, the reason we had to come in July was because there was a line in Adriel. They also work full time with childcare along with me. I really enjoy working with them. Uh, they're very good uh, at what they do. Can you point them out to us? Oh, sure. Um, Adriel, besides um, being full time at CLM, he is also studying full time. Uh, he's uh, getting a degree in education. And Ad July is um, winter vacation for them. So we had to come in July because um, July is also the same time period where Adriel can be there. He studies in the evening. So I, I'm the only man in the evening, and I, sometimes I'm the only full-time missionary in the evening. Um, we, we try very much not to rely on short-termers. Um, so Adriel is able to take over for me because he has winter vacation now, so he can work evenings in my place. But he, his work hours um, when he's in school are from uh, 12.30 to uh, about 5 o'clock, 5.30. And then he works uh, um, a longer weekend. They do. They have uh, uh, two daughters. One is nine years old, and the other is three, three years old. But she looks like she's, she's a pretty big kid. She looks, she looks much older. We live on the um, second floor in, uh, in the back. They live, we converted, so if you look at the building, um, there's, on the left side, if you're looking at it, is the girls' wing. On the right side is the boys' wing. They live above the boys' wing. Originally, it was set up for short-termers, but we put in a doorway, um, knocked down a wall, and put in a kitchen. And uh, so they have a large kitchen living room area, and then um, they have two bedrooms. So we did there. take a serious picture, too, but I couldn't find it. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> This is Adriel here and his wife, Alini, and then their two kids are Aliza and Ellen. Mm. That helps. Sorry, I should have just pointed them out when This when picture is talking. old. Um, this is Paulo. He is now working at C Elementary Hios, and Kristen isn't in it. So. And then Mike is beside me and Mary beside him. Yeah. Moving, transitioning into this new uh, area, you know, other than missions, you know, what are some other ways we can support, offer support? Uh, the question was, what other ways um, uh, can people offer support? I think one of the biggest for us is, will be just 
we'll have a lot of questions, I think. And not necessarily questions about writing a training manual, but beyond that, questions about, well, here's the situation. What do you think we should do? Um, uh, there's a lot of different, a lot of things. This is completely new to us. We're being asked to do something that we haven't necessarily gotten any training for. Um, so I think we'll end up, we're going to end up having quite a few questions. Just having people that we can, uh, that we can ask questions to, or people that may, maybe they know someone who could answer the questions, that they could kind of be the go-between. Um, that would help out quite a bit. Sure. Would you want to set up a separate newsletter for that group of people? Yeah, it's a good. The, the question was is whether or not we would like to set up a separate newsletter um, uh, for the foster care assistance program. I don't know. Oh, okay. Like a, yeah. Yeah, like a group to do it. It's possible we might end up doing that. Um, if we would do that, we would say something in the Perv Warrior and give an invitation out there to join a certain, uh, like a mailing list um, to which we would send uh, emails out to. It's a good idea. If anyone, um, some people may still have more questions. Some people may still have some more questions, but feel free to, to leave um, if you'd like. Uh, uh, Rick Lickley, I just wanted to thank everyone. I'm looking around the room, I know a lot of you have you know, been to CLM. You read our prayer letter. You read the prayer warrior. You've you know, definitely supported us, and we really appreciate it. We just you know, always look back to these times when we come home and go, okay, we know, you know that we know there are people here praying for us and you know, just supporting us, and we just really appreciate all of you, and thank you for coming, too. I think you guys deserve a real thank you for for being there and through especially through this transition time. This is, it's like you said you don't even may, may not even have training for some of what you're you're doing, but I'm, I mean, but you're plugging through all this and going through this transition. It, it's uh, uh, you know really amazing. thank you for uh, for being there and doing that. Sure. I just wanted to. Um, oh, I forgot. Yeah, make everyone aware that my daughter Melissa was at the CLM Atrios. Can I introduce it? Really? Yep. Um, in Atrios, the well. I went out there once before he was born, especially as soon as we got there, knowing that a man would be drinking the water. I went out there. I checked. The well is this deep. Um, the 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 field runoff comes down, and it kind of feeds a swamp, and we have a hole in the swamp. We have a pipe in the hole in the swamp, which pumps it through a filter, but only filters out um, biological contamination. So we don't get people with something similar to food poison or amoebas. But there, they are spraying fertilizer on the field. Um, so it is possible that some of that could be going into the water source. So when we got there, Amanda, I think from the beginning, we bought bottled water for her uh, so that she could drink it. We were just concerned. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, blue baby syndrome. But it's where extra nitrates and nitrites are uh, fill, go into the water um, through fertilizer, through field runoff. My dad actually, um, he's a soil scientist, and he worked in this area trying to um, uh, work with the farmers and, and be able to put down less fertilizer. Anyway, those uh, nitrates and nitrites cause what's called blue baby syndrome, where they, uh, the baby basically turns blue and sometimes can have seizures um, or uh, uh, fever spikes. We were just worried that something like that um, would happen, and we have had kids with similar symptoms at CLM in the past. We didn't know at that time what was going on. So all women now, all missionary women, are, are drinking, uh, we know, are drinking bottled water before we moved. So just as an introduction to... Um, Thank you. I, yeah. well, I wasn't even aware of that. 
Melissa went down there as a, a six-month uh, missionary to... Uh, oh. Uh, our daughter, Melissa, went down to uh, CLM Entrerios uh, for six months. And while she was there, um, she recognized that there was a problem with the well, not only for this blue baby issue, but sometimes the well would just quit, and they couldn't do laundry, and they couldn't do dishes. And you imagine they had, what, you know, 20, 30 uh, kids there. So you, you miss doing laundry for just a day, and it's just mounds. I mean, she took pictures of the, um, uh, of the uh, laundry and, and dirty dishes, and it was just unbelievable. It filled the, you know, three feet above the counter. So when she came back, she shared this passion that something really needs to be done for the missionaries, but also just to help them operate the, uh, the, the orphanage. So she um, talked to uh, Thad and I in the Worcester congregation, and so we actually fronted the money for a new well so that they could begin the process right away, and it turned out to be $8,000. Um, in, in the interim, Worcester has been raising uh, funds to, to uh, support that, and um, so she has some pictures that she took that if you would like to help support it, um, I don't know what the prices were, you know. Well, we'll figure that out and let you know. We'll, and we'll have them at the table in the, um, in, in the commons or, or at the uh, dining hall. But the money would go to, to support the well so that uh, – and we just uh, found out oh, about, what, uh, three or four weeks ago that the, uh, the well is up and running, and it actually came in right at $8,000. And so uh, they were really pleased by that. Um, and so um, there's just some pictures that she took while she was down there. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Anything else? I guess if anyone has any other questions, just feel free to find Amanda and I. Thank you for, for coming.